This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Kia ora, mai, haere mai. My name is Kerry Enright and I'm one of the ministers of Knox Church in George Street in Dunedin and it's my great delight and duty to welcome you to Radio Church on this uh, special Sunday. Today's reading, which is going to be the focus of our reflecting, comes from the Gospel of Luke and has to do with the what is called the importunate widow, the person, the widow who keeps pleading with the judge for justice. And so that theme will run through our service today. Welcome to you. It's good that you are with us. Some opening responses. O God, who called all life into being, the earth, sea, and sky are yours. Your presence is all around us. Every atom is full of your energy. Your spirit enlivens all who walk the earth. With her we yearn for justice to be done, for creation to be free from threat, for the hungry to be fed, for captives to be released, for your kingdom of peace to come on earth. And just by way of note, I'm using prayers today from the Iona community in Scotland, prayers for justice and peace. The Iona community, of course, on the wonderful historic island of Iona off the coast of Scotland, a community of the Church of Scotland. And we are going to hear now one of the great hymns of the Church, an old hymn, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, sung by the choir of King's College Chapel.
We come then to our opening prayer. Let us pray. O God, gladly we live and move and have our being in you. Yet always in the midst of creation's glory we see sin's shadow and feel death's darkness. It is around us in the earth, sea and sky, in the abuse of matter. It is beside us in the broken, the hungry and the poor, in the betrayal of one another, and often deep within us, in a striving against your Spirit. O Trinity of love, forgive us, that we may forgive one another, heal us that we may become people of healing, and renew us that we may be makers of peace. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I want to read two passages from the Bible. The first is from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, reading from verse 22 to 31. It's the story of Jacob wrestling at Peniel. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God's fa God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. And then from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, the, verse, the first eight verses. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, 
Will he find faith on earth? Well, what an interesting <laughs> couple of readings from the Bible, and particularly the parable from Luke. And I just want to lead now in a reflection on that, um, and uh, I pray that this may be helpful to you. There are times, are there not, when it is hard to keep on keeping on. The parable from Luke takes us straight in the struggle to persist when we experience pushback. Continual disappointment can be terribly discouraging. I wonder if, like me, you have experienced those times. I certainly have. I've been a minister now for nearly 40 years, and there have been times over that period where I have sat at the front of the church waiting to lead the service and thinking to myself, I can't do this. I just can't lead this service. And I wondered how I could carry on, and only as the service has got underway have I been able to draw on the strength of the liturgy and the presence of the people around me and somehow have found the ability to stand up and speak words of invitation. And there are times in our lives when those periods become quite disturbing because we feel close to the edge, close to giving up. One of my predecessors at Knox Church in Dunedin talked about his experience at the end of World War II. He was a chaplain to J-Force that served in Japan when the war ended. He visited Hiroshima and Nagasaki not long after the bombs had been dropped, decimating those cities. And he was so disturbed by what he saw, so disturbed by the inhumanity of it, that he said he lost his faith. For at least a year he had to live off the faith of others until his own faith gradually returned. Sometimes it's really hard to keep on keeping on. And this scenario that Luke describes isn't uncommon, is it? A person in a position of authority, but in a system who will not listen, who will not respond, who will not bend, who is hard to the circumstances of the person with no power. The Hebrew Scriptures are full of the importance of caring for the widow, but it just didn't get through to the judge. And he only relents because he doesn't want to be bothered anymore. The translation I used, which comes from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, softens the imagery. Literally, it means he relented because he was afraid of getting a black eye. <laughs> well, where do you get encouragement to persevere? I get it from people who I have met, people I've heard about from stories. In my own iwi, Tainui, I'm a North Island man, Maori leaders, including kings, kept going to London to plead for the Treaty of Waitangi to be honoured time after time, decade after decade, generation after generation. And as you know, the situation got worse rather than better. Until the government finally began legislating and in the 1980s, the Court of Appeal upheld the treaty, and in 1991, the Queen apologised that the treaty had not been honoured by the Crown. 
It had taken a hundred and fifty years of persistent pleading. So I get encouragement from my own iwi, my own people. In the late 1980s and early 1990s, Vaclav Havel was president of what was then Czechoslovakia and then later of the Czech Republic. When the communists took power in 1948, his family land holdings were confiscated and there was every reason to despair. He couldn't imagine the Soviet Union disbanding and Czechoslovakia becoming other than communist. But Havel was part of a defiant underground. When the Soviet Union marched into Prague in 1968, Havel knew he had to stay and wait and do what he could to form a coalition that would gather strength and be ready to take over when the time was right. Convinced that it was worth persevering, committed to the freedom of his homeland, and unlike many others who fled, Havel spoke boldly and wrote defiantly until he was imprisoned. He was offered safety in the United States but declined. What good would that do, Havel asked. Only by staying here and struggling here can we ever hope to change things. And so he became the first president of the post-communist government of his nation. There are many such people from whom we can draw encouragement and inspiration to keep on keeping on. Luke says that the parable is about our need to pray always and not to lose heart. In his marvellous book called Engaging the Powers, Walter Wink has a section headed History Belongs to the Intercessors. Intercessors are people who pray for others. This book of Wink's is the third in a trilogy that attends to the destructive principalities and powers that shape much of our living We absorb those powers and principalities and we transmit what is unhelpful without realising what we're doing. Wink seeks to overcome what he regards as a danger when social activism becomes self-justifying good works. As our inner resources shrink, the wells of love run dry and we become what we oppose. He says... Those who pray do so not because they believe certain intellectual propositions about the value of prayer, but simply because the struggle to be human in the face of suprahuman powers requires it. Intercession visualizes an alternative future. The widow imagined a world of justice and persevered so she could be part of it. She believed the future into being. As Wink says, the future belongs to whoever can envision in the manifold of its potentials a new and desirable possibility, which faith fixes on as inevitable. And this, of course, is hope. Hope envisages its future and then acts as if that future is now irresistible, thus helping to create the reality for which it longs. The kind of prayer embodied by the widow isn't unctuous or fawning or polite. It's impertinent and persistent and shameless and indecorous. It is like banging on a door. Martin Luther said, Our Lord God could not but hear me. I threw the sack down before his door. I rubbed God's ear with all his promises about hearing prayer. 
So Jacob wrestles with an angel until it blesses him. And in the parable, the judge knows that the widow standing in front of him has the capacity to persist, and so he relents. And in that prayerful engagement, and I cannot explain how it happens, and I don't want to make it sound simple or mechanical or automatic or what magical, but somehow in the prayerful engagement, prayer changes the world and changes what is possible to God. Wink puts it like this. A new force field appears that hitherto was only potential. An aperture opens in the praying person, permitting God to act without violating human freedom. The change in even one person thus changes what God can thereby do in that world. Prayer is rattling God's cage and waking God up and setting God free and giving this famished God water and this starved God food and cutting the ropes off God's hands and the manacles off God's feet and washing the caked sweat from God's eyes and then watching God swell with life and vitality and energy and following where God goes. When we, are, when we pray, we are not sending a letter to a celestial ruler where it's sorted among piles of others. No, we're engaged in an act of co-creation, in, one watch in which one little sector of the universe rises up and becomes a vibratory center of power that radiates power. Well, recognizing that it is God who initiates prayer rather than ourselves, God who sustains prayer, God who nourishes us in praying, that it is God who is praying in us, maybe we can keep on keeping on. And yet, I imagine, like you, there are times when I give up. There are days I pray and days the discipline goes. There are times, of course, I feel a particular need to pray because I'm struggling or I'm afraid or I feel utterly powerless in the face of the awful things happening in our world. But there are other times when I forget I need to pray just to be human. And a reminder will come. Last week it was for me rediscovering a book of prayers that I hadn't read for a long time. And so I started again. It might be a friend who offers to pray with me. It might be a promise I have promised to pray. This parable is inviting our praying to be alongside that of the widow and all who plead for justice and are desperate for change but who face pushback and resistance and impassiveness and inflexibility. With the widow, we can, and all such people, we can know the urge to keep on keeping on and the possibilities that might come as a result. May it be so for you. We're going to listen now to one of a hymn by one of, I think, the best of the hymn writers of our time, Brian Wren, Deep in the Shadows of the Past. 
again in prayer, this time with a prayer for others. Creator of all, Saviour of all, Spirit in all, one God in perfect community, stay with us now. Where there is apathy, kindle the flame of your love. Where there is deceit, confront every lie with your truth. Where there is hopelessness, reveal deep wells of compassion. Where there is joy, let your kindly protection be known. Where we hesitate to serve you, make us restless until we change. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And now a blessing. The light of God to lead us. The power of God to hold us. The joy of God to heal us. The grace of God to caress us. 
the love of God to bless us. Amen. Thank you for being with us in this time. It's good that we have been able to pray, to reflect together. May God bless you and keep you and hold you. May God journey with you through all that you are experiencing. And may you know yourself as a person made in the image of God, deeply loved by God and held by God. Go in peace. And as we finish, we're going to hear uh, from Scotland as well to the tune, the Sky Boat Song, Spirit of God, unseen as the wind, gentle as is the dove, teach us the truth and help us believe, show us the Saviour's love. Go in peace. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.